The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett joins us today with Hackett Financial Advisors located in Florida. Let's look at what's happening market-wise today. I know that we saw some higher numbers for the soybeans. It was lower on the corn and the wheat. And I think you had the best statement before we even started the Final Bell was the fact that you can't talk about grains and not talk about trade. And there's a lot heavy weighing on next week's uh, time when the the meetings are going to take place. It's true, and every day we seem to get a different statement from a different person. Today, uh, Commerce Secretary uh, said, you know, we're far apart. And then um, uh, yesterday uh, there was rumors that we canceled some meetings. And then the day before, there was optimism that we're really close. So, so yeah, with this, this January 30, 31 uh, two-day meeting that's uh, going to be happening at a very, very high level um, is, is really, really important to get a sense for are we actually close to something or are we still, you know, quite a bit apart? And uh, I wish we could start talking about something else than trade all the time. But, but right now, the way markets are are trading and the psychology is they are extremely important. And, and we're going to have to watch the next three days very closely. You know, I even saw that the European Union was weighing in, watching what's happening with China, knowing that the negotiations are going on with the U.S. saying the same thing, that they would retaliate right back and not think twice about it. Well, look. You know, everyone is trying to defend themselves, and if there's some deal with China that's, that, that's structured and it moves demand over to us and takes it away from Europe, obviously they're not going to be happy about that and they're going to take action. So it's very complicated. Having said that, the two largest economies in the world that really drive everything, uh, I'm not sure the Europeans are going to have tremendous success uh, fighting against the two superpower economic uh, engines for trade, I think. In the end, they'll be unhappy and will try to do some things. But if we want to do more trade together, I'm not sure there's much they can do to stop that. There was some talk of some, some goodwill purchases, per se, coming in for this wheat market from China. With the partial government shutdown, have you heard any sort of confirmation to that? I mean, we've heard a lot of the similar statements that you've heard. What we try to do is look at the market is telling us. So, for example, things like bull future spreads in wheat have been firming at a time when they normally are weakening. Uh, that, that is to say that the front months are gaining on the deferred month, and usually that only happens because of unusually strong demand for nearby supplies. Um, the other thing that we uh, tend to look at is we tend to look at cash differentials. That is to say the cash market relative to the futures market. Those, are, those have also been firming in recent days and recent weeks. Both would indicate something's going on with the demand ba- uh, with demand of a very large uh, amount, and we would have to assume uh, it's probably China-related. So we think that the talk that we're hearing is probably true, or at least partially true, because the market's telling us that some big demand has been coming in for the wheat market, and so we would have to view that positively. Do you see any pressure coming from Russia? I mean, domestic prices have been watched pretty closely, and we've seen some firmness going on there. Well, you know, we've talked about Russia for quite some time. We know their their crop last year was you know came up quite a bit short. Estimates are that it was down fifteen percent, possibly as much as eighteen percent. We know that they were front loading their exports uh, before the end of the year, and 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 that we we felt that we would start to see their prices from their exports fall off and our business improve. 
we think all those things are, are in play, especially for higher higher quality wheat, which is what the Chinese would want, by the way, because you know they have a lot of lower quality wheat, but the high quality wheat they definitely are in short supply of. So, so we think that the Russian situation is supportive and will continue to be supportive, especially if some winter kill threats were to come into play, which we think that they will, as a northern hemisphere a winter. Uh, looks to really enter a, another very extreme cold phase, at least in the next couple of months. Well, speaking of the weather, South America has definitely caught the attention, especially when you look at the amount of rains that Argentina has been receiving. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the rains, they've been 150 to 160 percent of normal. Um, it's a lot of rain, and, and we, if you go back 40 years, um, it really is one or two of the, of the rainiest Januarys in 40 years, and so that's not to be taken lightly, and there have been quite a few uh, analysts and outfits that have been pulling, uh, you know, production down there, and we do think that's warranted. The other thing to pay attention to is is uh, there's a lot of acres that are getting drowned out and are not likely to be replanted. So when we think about all of that, it suggests that the top-end crop ideas that were viewed just a month ago as being, you know, pretty likely are definitely not going to happen. Whether it's bad enough to warrant a bull market or a big move in, in, in soybean prices with, with large, you know, global stocks is another story, but we do believe that topping crop is not possible and we're looking at something quite a bit less. And, in, and you know, on the margin, that's definitely going to be a positive for keeping the bean market from, you know, seeing some undue weakness due to large crops that many were thinking were going to happen a month ago. So then for the soybean producer that is sitting there looking out the window today at his bins, knowing they're full of beans, hearing the struggles to South America has got to give them a bit of a glimmer of hope, maybe, for some decent prices headed into spring. Well, I think you have to look at the at the setup more positively than, than you would have looked at it maybe two or three months ago. Two or three months ago, we were looking at huge crops out of South America. That's not likely now. We were looking at no hope of a trade deal. That's looking more encouraging now. Um, so, yeah, I would say that there's, there's definitely some improved optimism for uh, a better outlook and maybe a better outcome for um, soybean farmers, at least in the first half of 2019. And um, so, yeah, I mean, last year was, was so bare soybeans. We sure hope and believe that the first half of the year will, will turn out to be better. It already is turning out better. Um, and, and we're hopeful maybe we can get a little shot in the arm here with, with China to give us some selling opportunities. All right, well, stick around, folks. We do have more coming up here on the Fontenelle Final Bell. We'll look at some thoughts on the grain market, look at what's been happening weather-wise as well in Brazil as they've had some dryness issues. And, of course, because Sean is joining us, we will take a look at what's happening in the dairy industry as well. Stick around. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett joins us with Hackett Financial Advisors. Left off talking about the weather in Argentina where they deal with a lot of wet going on. Just look to the north in Brazil. There's a lot of dry pockets that are affecting the way this crop is maturing. Yeah, the central and central and central west area of Brazil has been extremely dry for the month of January. In fact, if you look back at 40 years of weather data, it's one of the driest um, Januaries in about 40 years. So so we have the exact bipolar opposite of what we're seeing in Argentina, and that has certainly brought in some stress and some unfavorable conditions for soybeans and for corn, and we feel enough 
of that has, has taken place now that top end crops that many were you know, really talking about a month ago are now not possible. It doesn't mean it's a disaster. We still have a lot of weather to go, but it does mean to us big record setting, record yielding crops are now off the table. And on the margin, that's positive for the grain markets. So is the corn just kind of sitting, Sean, in the background, kind of on the lower side, just kind of watching what happens in the soybeans and the wheat? Yeah, the corn market is stuck in between two places, like you just said. It doesn't, it, it doesn't really have the direct impact to a trade deal like soybeans would have. It doesn't really have, um, uh, you know, the, the, the weather potentiality, you know, winter kill risks and, and other issues, uh, you know, like wheat has. So it's, it's kind of a market trying to find someone to follow, and hence what it's been doing for the better part of the last several months is chop around sideways in kind of listless trading, and, and we're really not sure that's going to change unless we start getting a change in either a breakout uh, in wheat or, um, or soybean prices based on even weather or improved trade relations. Well, as we do, as we switch over to the livestock side, having Sean Hackett join us means we get to take an insight look at the dairy industry. Best description as we were in commercial break, you call it good cop, bad cop with what's going on. Yeah, dairy you know, has a lot of components to it, but the one good spot, the bright spot that we've been talking about to our uh, our customers is the, back, the milk pot market, which has really seen a dramatic tightening of supply and demand over the last six months. Um, and, and, and prices have started to firm, and so that's a positive thing. Milk powder led bull markets are always the ones that you want to see. They always have, you know, very, very uh, long tailwinds to them. The problem is we're dealing still with an oversupply of the cheese market here in the U.S. And seasonally, in the first quarter, we tend to print or uh, price in a low point for the cycle due to overproduction in the U.S. And so we have to work through this oversupply situation a little while longer before we can come out from underneath the cheese market and see some better pricing. But overall, we do believe that we're nearing the crescendo of the downside here in cheese and the entire milk complex to us from the second quarter onward is looking much, much brighter than it did last year, especially if we can pull the trade deal off and get some demand from China for some dairy products that would really, really help as well. Definitely a lot of pressure out there for the dairy producers. We continue to, to move closer to the second quarter. Yeah, it's really tough right now. You know, if you didn't make uh, sales last year when there were some opportunities, you know, you're really under the gun, uh, at least from, you know, from now into the second quarter. And, and as I said, because cheese is such an important component uh, for the dairy margin, it's not likely that's going to improve uh, too much into the second quarter. But we do believe that beyond that, there's lots of reasons to be much more excited about the outcome. And we think actually later in the year that the margins could be quite quite outstanding. And so we would view, uh, uh, we would tell the dairy, the U.S. dairy producer to be patient, be optimistic, don't lose faith, hang in there. We think the worst is almost behind us and we're looking for a much better outcome in the back half of the year. Looking at the hog market, just like in the soybeans, they closely are watching all this negotiation discussions going on with with china at this point i mean no doubt i mean we know there's a big african swine fever problem there we know they're slaughtering a tremendous amount of pigs and we know that at some point they're going to need to replace that with foreign clean pork demand uh meat demand of which the u.s we would hope would be a recipient of some of that demand and obviously a trade deal would go a long way into enhancing that outcome so yeah no question about of all the markets you look at clearly the the, the hog market is 
one very, very uh, sensitive to what might happen there and what kind of demand we may be seeing from any kind of a positive uh, trade outcome here, without a doubt. Are we going to see some spillover pressure from the hogs affecting the way the cattle trade? Um, uh, eventually, you you can. We don't think right now we're going to see that. We think seasonally uh, prices tend to be very strong. We have a, a very different picture domestically with very low U.S. supplies against a very strong demand despite any trade deal, meaning that the cattle market is not as tied to a trade deal or no trade deal. It's been doing just fine the way, the way things have been going because... What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sean? Our website's the best way to look for you know, how we can help in our reports and service at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Like I said, we have sample reports white paper downloads and and um, you know lots of information about what we do, how we do it, and how we might be able to help your listeners. Sounds great. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.